Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian season finale recap. Hey, Jewel. I am. What do you think? I cannot believe we're at the end. All good things really do come to an end. I feel like we just started. <laughs> Me too. Remember the Kardashian seasons were like a lot of episodes? What is this 10 bullshit? It's it's too few. And also, I'll say it bravely. I loved this episode as a regular episode. This wasn't a finale episode. Yeah. I, I, I know. I, I try so hard to not feel that way but I felt that way. And I guess we can rationalize it with the fact that the first episode of the season was the finale episode. So we got that high level of intensity, high level of drama out of the way already. It's not like they deprived us of that, but they did kind of deprive us of it the entire rest of the season after that. Here's a question that I'll ask you though. If you had to choose, and I know your answer is that you wouldn't want to choose, you'd want it to be both. But if you had to choose between it them doing it the way they did it with the most intense would-be finale being the premiere or having the rest of the lead up and then having that be the actual finale, what would you have chosen? I don't know. I guess I'm happy that we got it with the first episode, although here's the thing. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. I'm happy that we got it with the first episode because it gave us something big to start the season. The issue is that they gave us all of the drama the first episode and then the rest of the season was kind of a letdown after that. Whereas had they waited and given it to us the finale, we would have been sitting here like, okay, the season kind of lacked a lot of drama, but they really made up for it with that last episode. I know, but I kind of think if we got it at the end, we'd be so annoyed that there wasn't more after for us to be able to talk about. You know, like what a note to end on. I know, but I guess it would have left us with that feeling of like, okay, come on, season three. Like it would have that episode truly made up for everything that this season lacked. And I just feel like had we gotten it last instead of first, it would have made up in a different possibly better sort of way because it it really set the tone for a season that could never match up to what it started with whereas if it was just the last episode I think we would have been okay with that we would have literally said okay this season not our favorite not all they could have given us but god what an ending I would be okay with a lower intensity rest of the season if it was that premiere, that finale. And then like, all right, so we're seeing, you know, Kim's closet for a couple of episodes. I'm not complaining about that. 
I mean, while we're on the subject, let's go into Kim's tweet that got a million responses to it about what we would like to see for season three. Okay, so Kim, woman of the people, tweets, what do you guys want to see for season three of the Kardashians? Do you guys like family stuff, work stuff, kid stuff, behind the scenes of shoots, family pranks? Which of course opens a can of worms that can now never be closed and the tweets start rolling in. Since this is exactly what we've been asking, all we want to do is be a focus group for them. We're literally saying like, help us help you. So some of the most viral, I'm going to read one of them and we'll go from there. It's from at Fresh Hell. I want to see Kendall Jenner take an improv class and she's not allowed to take a Xanax or get an IV of vitamins beforehand. Then I want Courtney to tour the factory where they make Cheez-Its. This is a two-hour episode. Then I want Kylie to do ayahuasca. Another one, which went super viral from at Caribbean tweets, Rob, an episode on why you stop being friends with Jonathan, Joyce Benelli, Monica Rose, and Larsa. Corey yelling at Kendall again. Quiz Chris and the lyrics of all the rappers in the family. Kylie has a full conversation with Travis. Parentheses, Barker or Scott, I don't care. <laughs> like, I-, I was on a high reading these. You know what gave me the biggest high, though? Mm-hmm. How validating was it that unanimously every single person's response was that they wanted Scott on the show? everybody. And it wasn't necessarily in replacement of anything. Like, yes, of course, there were the people that were like, we don't want Kravis, bring us Scott. But there were a very decent amount of people that were like, you don't have to take anything away, just add in some Scott. He was a hugely missing element of this season. And keeping in mind that we've never had a season without him. Like, since the inception of Kardashians, there has never been a time where Scott wasn't a presence on the show. And all of a sudden we just lost a main character without any sort of explanation or reasoning. And it was a huge loss that people noticed that I felt very validated by the fact that people felt his, I think what it was the most was that the comedic element of Scott was really, really felt. Honestly, for me, I didn't even necessarily need an explanation as to his absence. I would have appreciated it, but it wasn't a necessity. It was more so for me, the lack of acknowledgement that was like almost disrespectful. Is that a really dramatic term? No, I don't think so. I mean, it was disrespectful to us. It was disrespectful to him. But also, I think the thing with this season is that people were really picking up on what was missing. And so Scott's absence, I think, would have been recognized regardless. But because so much of the season was people focusing on like, okay, what's different about this and what's missing? Scott was the most glaringly obvious example of that. I honestly think something else that did them a disservice is that last season, the majority of Scott scenes were about his feelings on Courtney and Travis and all of that. There were a few things, of course, you know, him and Chloe, him and Kim talking about Pete, but the majority of it was focused on that. And we know for a fact that Courtney was not down with that. She even said, you know, she felt that that whole storyline was kind of encroaching on her fairy tale and she didn't want any conflation. But I think that by trying to avoid that, it was a massive overcorrection. And now it landed them in this uncomfortable place where it's like, if Scott's not talking about Courtney and his upset about that, he can't be included at all, which I don't think is their belief, but that's kind of how it came off. Whereas I think where we're sitting, it's like, we're totally fine with not having him talk about Courtney. In fact, we actually don't want that because it only made him look worse. Like we're down with a whole new Scott plot. And I feel like them not giving us that almost put him in this binary. As you're speaking, I really realized what went wrong this season. Last season, it was like this renewed love of the Kardashians. It was people who, because of the drama and everything they were giving us and the vast amount of information, the vast amount of insight and 
everything that we were getting last season. It brought a whole new set of viewers who hadn't watched since probably halfway through Keeping Up with the Kardashians. People had lost, you know, interest in them. And then there was this renewed sense of interest based on last season. And I think that something that happened with this season is that they kind of approached it with thinking everybody was fans almost like us in the sense of like, we can show them anything and they'll just be happy to see it. Because for you and I, that's kind of true. But for the whole new set of viewers, that's not nearly going to be enough for them. Like that doesn't even slightly cut it for that audience of people. And so I think what I realized when you were talking about, you know, the Courtney and Scott plotline and what Courtney wanted, I think what went wrong this season is that the Kardashians kind of made this season about them rather than about the viewers, which seems obvious because it's a reality show, but they took it too far. Like when Courtney is talking about how the Scott plot of it encroaches on this fairy tale that she has and it doesn't portray her life with Travis in the way that she wants it portrayed. That right there is the issue. The fans are there for the drama. The fans are there for the Scott. And so when you remove that element of it and you kind of say, I only wanted to portray that one thing, I just think that's not going to cut it. But don't you think that they could have done both? Don't you think they could have fully respected Courtney's wishes in terms of not having Scott's sadness and negativity focused on and still having the same scenes with her wedding dress fitting and all of that, but also including Scott in a way that felt organic? Like, I'm I'm dead serious. Yes, I was fascinated last season seeing him kind of process everything going on with Courtney and Travis. But I think in a lot of ways that ship has sailed. I, I Not to say he's fully over it, but I don't think that it would have been the plot line of this season anyway. So I think to not include him at all, it, it just did everyone a disservice. Yeah, I mean, I do think so. I think that there's a way to do both. But you know what the thing is here is like, you know how you and Isabel will say sometimes that like, especially with like Beverly Hills Housewives, like they're too aware of their plots. Yeah. That's how it felt this season. Like it felt like, they had too much say over what their plot points were going to be, what the drama they wanted to talk about was, what they wanted to get across. Because it almost felt like there were certain elements of it, not all of it, but there were certain elements of it that were like kind of forced on us. Like we care about your businesses. We care about all of those things, but we also care about them almost as like the side plot and the drama as the main plot. And it switched those two things around this season. I will tell you though, because I agree with that last statement, except for me, and I don't know if other people feel this way at all. Kim's business feels different. Like everyone else totally, but I could watch Kim work and that could supplement some of the drama for me seamlessly. I agree. But I think that you and I, again, watch the show with a different lens, but also- If Kim were to sit you down and say, listen, we're doing editing for the show. I have these scenes with Pete. I have these scenes about Kanye, or I have all of this stuff about my business. There is not a chance in the entire world that you're choosing any business scenes over Pete and Kanye scenes. No, of course not. And I would never pretend to. But in the absence of some other family member drama, I would so much rather see her really working than, you know, see Kendall talk about her horses. Like to me, that does it a lot more. But yeah. I so badly wish we would have gotten more of what was going on with Kanye. At the same time, I don't know if I can entirely blame her because of how much more difficult that probably would have made her life. But God, do I wish we would have seen more of that. It, you know, it's it's hard when you balance what you want versus what you're logically going to get. And again, the previous season set us up for a lot. And so even if you're sitting here logically saying, okay, 
you know, the Pete stuff we got some of, but they're broken up now and it's going to be different. You know, you can, you can rationalize it all day long. At the end of the day, when you're sitting there in the moment watching an episode, all you're going to be doing is comparing it to last season, what you got and what you're not getting this season. It's the same thing with the Tristan stuff. You had one of the greatest finales ever in reality TV last season. And granted, they opened up this season with the continuation of that. So I cannot be mad at that for a second. And I think that going back to your original question, as I'm thinking about that, I prefer the way that it opened because it picked directly off to the second with last season. But if you're going to give us that incredible of a finale last season to the point where like we are still talking about that as one of the greatest reality TV moments, you have to give us something that can at least attempt to compete with that. Again, I loved this episode. And had you given it to me in the middle of the season, I would have gone into this episode as excited as I am to record, but like on a different kind of high, because I would have said that was such an incredible episode to get. But it hits a little differently when it's such an incredible episode to get, but not an incredible finale to get. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be are mascara and lip gloss, maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but Honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like there have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things. Because listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm never gonna be a daily bra wearer. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events and I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there are sometimes you gotta wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the no-show balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which 
I'm telling you, is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Let me ask you a question though, because as you're talking, I'm trying to come up with the answer in my head and I'm struggling. So I want to hear your take. Before we had a podcast, let's say, do you think we would have viewed this finale to still be underwhelming? Which of course I know the majority of people that don't have a podcast did, right? But I think that you and I fall into that category of viewer where we're just more easily satisfied by any Kardashian content than your average person. So do you think if we were never recording a podcast, we would still feel slightly underwhelmed or our feeling of being underwhelmed is coming from not having that many things to analyze or having less things to analyze than we did in the finale of season one? Um, No, if I'm being 100% honest, I think me being overwhelmed comes far more from the internet reactions than from having the podcast because I can talk about anything. Catch me spending 30 minutes on Stormy ordering room service and I'll talk about it and have 20 things left to say. I don't think it's a matter of not having enough to analyze. I think it's a matter of the best part of Kardashians and the best part of last season was the camaraderie behind it. And it was something I really enjoyed because we hadn't had that in a while. And even with keeping up with the Kardashians in the last few seasons, I think so much of the viewership had fallen off that when big things would happen on the show, it didn't feel like there was that many people to discuss it with. And last season, like I said, all of these viewers kind of returned and there was this renewed interest. And so every single episode, everyone was so excited to delve in and talk about it and discuss it. And there were all these, you know, theories floating around and analyzing certain points. And so to not have that and not have the same excitement from the internet for this season, not have the same people in our DMs after every episode, that's what I'm picking up on. If you Mm -hmm. remember last season, our DMs would be flooded. I would wake up to watch the episode early in the morning because I couldn't stay up to watch it at midnight. And I would already know half the episode because people couldn't contain themselves in DMing us. We didn't have that to that same extent that this season. So I think what I'm actually picking up on is not the lack of analysis because I think there is. I think it's the lack of excitement. I think that that's fair. I honestly think that that's fair because think about it, that level of excitement was through the fucking roof with the season premiere. Remember RDMs episode one? You're right. Yeah. That was that was huge season one energy. I think that when we go to record the podcast, I go in with the energy that is given to us. And because with you and I, we can, I mean- if you heard our conversations, it would almost be concerning to even not on the podcast about the things that we analyze and the tiny little details of the points that we're going to pick up on. And I say that to you before we record every episode. I'm never concerned about not having enough to talk about. But I, and I'm never concerned about the excitement that you and I will bring because we will always be excited about it. But I think that when we go into an episode ready to record, to have the excitement of people in our DMs and the people on Twitter and the people on Instagram in our back pocket brings a whole different energy. And honestly, as I'm thinking about it, like you and I and viewers like us, we cannot be the people that they're catering this show to, meaning we're already sold. They have us by the balls. Like we don't need to be overly stimulated in an episode to thoroughly enjoy it. Whereas a lot of the people viewing this, they need to be more captivated than they have been. 
Which brings us back to the initial start of this whole conversation, Kim's tweet of asking what can be changed. And as I really, really think of it, like you go back to the OG days of keeping up, of course, they'll never be able to be as messy as they once were because the level of fame and the level of curation is completely different. But think about this sibling drama. Think about the fights that Kim, Courtney, Chloe used to get into, even just a few seasons ago on Keeping Up. Not when Kim and Courtney are physically fighting, but you know, when Kim tells Courtney she's the least interesting to look at. Like, where is that? Everyone's being so nice to each other. <laughs> you are so right. I think the messiness is missing. And that's part of like the perfect curation that we're getting. But the thing about this family is that like never once has that been their thing, even at the height of their fame. We never once assumed that they were at that fame without the messiness. Like, and that's, I think, what works for them is that we have followed them and we know their beginnings and we know the way they operate as a family. And I was actually thinking about this the other day with one of my favorite things about the Kardashians is whether you get them in North's TikTok, an Instagram story, an interview the show, whatever it is, you never are sitting there being like, wow, they're so different in this. Like they are so consistently the exact same in terms of what they talk about, how they interact, who they are with each other, what they laugh about, what their jokes are. Like it is so consistent across every single platform and every single way that you're getting them. And I think that what I wish for this season was that we had a little bit more of that, like a little bit more of a relaxed vibe, them hanging out, a little bit of messiness and not necessarily like, in a fighting way, not necessarily in a drama way, but like, remember when they would go on vacation? That was my favorite episodes. Them in the Bahamas making a music video. Like, Give me more of that. Give me Kim in the behind the scenes of a North TikTok. I would eat that shit up all day. Give me North asking Kim questions about their fame or stuff like that. Like, It doesn't have to be the drama. I think the drama was lacking this season, but I think if you know we're answering Kim's tweet and looking for things like how can we make next season better in a very feasible way. That's the kind of stuff that I think we would want. Julie, as you said that, can I tell you what I was just thinking of? Yes. Okay. I didn't see this happening live, but I saw the aftermath on TikTok because I'm sure a lot of you guys did. Basically, North and Penelope were doing a live and they started talking, started answering some of the commenter questions. Penelope leaves. I guess she gets Kim and Kim comes in and seems to act as if she knows that they're live, but I think she really didn't know that they were live. And shortly after she comes on, the live ends because, you know, North was starting to answer questions like, who's your favorite aunt? And I think in general, things that Kim would not want her to answer. As we know, Kim has the comments turned off. And I think that that's very intentional. Like, People can be really cruel, and I think that they don't want their kids interacting with that. So North going live, I think, was a little bit of like a Mason Disick holy shit move. I don't ever expect that we're going to get that sit down between Kim and North where Kim explains to her why she can't do that. I think that that would feel way too intrusive, but holy fuck what I would do for that. Well, remember that first time that she went live and Kim, in this particular live, she says, my mom knows I'm live. Remember in that first one, she walked into Kim's room and was like, I'm on live and Kim got up quickly and was like, you know, you're not allowed to do that. Like that's the behind the scenes that I would love. Let me list you a couple of things that I would love. Like in the vein of those tweets, here are some plot points that I would love. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Scott and Travis get trapped in an elevator together. Mm. You know that show where they send little kids to go grocery shopping by themselves? Stormy yes. does an episode of that. And we hear her entire internal monologue out loud. She's mic'd up and we just sent her into Erewhon. Stormy and Erewhon giving us the internal monologue she was giving us when doing the patience video. Like, 
There are so many things. Courtney and Kim are sitting trying to figure out an issue between Penelope and North and their group of friends. Like, there is so much stuff that they can give us that is just the little things. Kendall and Kylie get into a fight. Kendall and Kylie don't fight anymore, okay? Show me your fights because I know they happen. Everyone yells at Kylie for not showing up to anything. Well, I was going to say, if we actually want to think about this realistically, like in my head, I'm prepared to give Kim an entire dissertation. Like I actually think that would be so funny if we did a formal outline with like a full-blown bibliography dating back to previous scenes that we can reference. But I think if we want to do it, there has to be a lot that aren't kid-centric because that's only a bonus. Like anything kid-related we get is a bonus. And there's a base level we have to respect of their privacy. Like there's so much other shit that I want. I want Kylie in her closet with her organizers going through what she's deciding to put on Kardashian closet. You know what I want? Tell me. More Chris on an edible content. Yes. That was probably the peak of the show this season. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app, and it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me, was Spanish, and I was kind of relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it really is designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition. So they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient. There are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's a lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. When on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like, hands down, very, very high. 
So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. You know what moment I really wanted at least a minor acknowledgement of? That's what was missing this season was the minor acknowledgements, not the plot points. Like, for example, last season when Kim is talking to Chris about that moment with Mason in the car with North and they're having this conversation about, you know, you know, step parents aren't always as bad as they see in the movies. And Mason really came around on it. Like that wasn't a plot point, but that was just an acknowledgement of like a whole fuck ton of information that we really wanted, that we finally got in that moment delivered to us in a very nonchalant way. Like where was the behind the scenes moment of the acknowledgement between Kim and Courtney talking about when Scott Pete and Travis were all at Rain's baseball game together. Like where was that acknowledgement of them talking on the phone? Like, just a little conversation about how they thought that went down. Not a whole confessional. I don't need it to be delivered in the most dramatic possible way. I need to myself take the information that I was given in a very nonchalant way and then have my own very dramatic reaction to it. Yes. Well, but this that goes back to the point that we always make, which is I don't think still 20 seasons of Keeping Up and two seasons of Kardashians in, I still don't think they have fully grasped the idea that a seemingly nonchalant acknowledgement is enough for us to run with it. Like we can appreciate that. We, we can do more than appreciate it because that's the way the most information is given to us. I also honestly think like, I'm, I just keep going back to this Kim and Kanye thing. I don't expect her to give us a lot and honest to God, like I'd rather sh- her have more peace at home than give us some of the Kanye insight. But even in, in her glam chair in this episode when she says, you know, even when Kanye was at the height of not talking to me, he won some Grammys and I reached out and said, we need this for the vault. Like that is huge for me. And I wish we could have more lines of that in the absence of like, getting the real drama. Like I don't expect her to be, you know, crying the way that she was, I guess, in season 20 when she's saying, I just can't do this anymore. I don't expect to get that at this point in time. But those little acknowledgements to me are huge. Like in this episode when she's explaining how she got Kanye's jacket for North – on eBay last week. Like, I am so interested in that. Are you? Yes. That is, I was going to say, that is the perfect example of how to deliver information to us. What we got in that one short acknowledgement was what the status of their relationship is currently. They're not talking. Um, The fact that Kim is still willing to go out of her way to get that stuff for the kids. The way that Kim feels about Kanye, even at their worst, in not just in for the sake of the kids, but through her own eyes as like a musician and and the way that she still views him. Like we got so much information from that tiny, tiny little interaction. That was to me the perfect example. Yeah, that is the perfect example. That's what I'm, I'm trying to find like real life examples from this season to pull on because to say that it was all bad is bullshit. I mean, we're sitting here like having some very legitimate feedback, which I think is helpful, but also – admittedly, we fucking loved it. There was only one episode this whole season and it luckily was the week that we were off. I guess it was episode maybe two or three, the week of September 27th that I thought was the worst episode in Kardashian history. Everything other than that was like, at the very worst, fine. Right, of course. Like not complaining, it's just again, it's it's less of complaining and more comparing, I think is what's happening here. My hope for season three is that Kim saw those pictures of Pete and Emrata and went, okay, he's fine. Called up, said, let's do a confessional and explain this whole thing. (laughs) From your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) 
I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. Okay. So one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know, is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about DashPass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders. So it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, term supply. Okay, so moving on to this episode, and we're really going to zone in here on the things that we want to discuss. Of course, the major plot line here was Kim, North, Chris, and Cece in Paris for Couture Fashion Week. I got to tell you, the first thing I want to talk about is when Chris and Kim are in that confessional, and Chris is telling the story of when they were in Paris for their first time together in 2007 for a media tour, and they're walking on the street to Gucci, and Chris falls on the floor, and Kim looks up and is like, please, any photos that you have of my mom on the floor, delete them. I don't know what about it, but there was something about watching this clip and then having it juxtaposed with their confessional that like whipped me back to a time that I almost forgot about. It was 15 years ago and it just felt like, who are those people? That's how I felt when Kim was saying, okay, don't make fun of me when she's talking to Demna and she's like, don't make fun of me. But the only other time that I walked in fashion week was LA fashion week 2006 and I walked in the Ed Hardy show. It's like, they remind you so often of their beginnings and like the juxtaposition between then and now. But even when you're like slapped in the face with it, you really are like, 
no, there's no way these are the same people. It's so interesting though, because for as jolted as we are by moments like that, it goes in direct contrast to the thing we constantly discuss, which is like, the reason we're so invested is because how invested we have been from day one and because both we and them have never lost sight of their beginnings. And we say that so constantly, but then I see a moment like this and I'm like, you know, I think my conscious self has. Like subconsciously, I clearly never have because the only reason I feel this overwhelming sense of pride for Kim when she does something major is because I know, you know, where she started. But on a conscious level, I'm certainly not thinking about her and Chris walking through the streets in 2007 on a fucking media tour. I know. But it's also like that one scene and that one clip of her falling and, you know, the evolution of where they were versus where they are now also perfectly encapsulates this entire episode, which was the relationship between Chris and Kim and even furthering that, the relationship now between the three generations of them from Chris, Kim, and now North and the way that they're all, I guess, training the next generation to take over. Well, that was like a huge realization that I was having this week from watching this episode, but also watching North and Penelope's elevated presence on TikTok of like, we are a few years out from Kardashian next generation domination. I know. And we've spoken about it kind of jokingly for so long, but now they're at that age and it's not just that they're at the age where it's feasible. They're at the age where you can see them starting to really enjoy it. Like, North was really in her element when she was in Paris. And what Kim continuously says throughout this episode is she wants North to watch her at work because she wants North to understand the fun side of this and also how much hard work goes into this. And for North to be able to understand, like, one day I'm going to have a job. One day I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. But I want it to be something that I have fun doing as well. And I think what you're seeing now is North discovering making content and exploring her love of all of those things in fashion and and whatever it is that she wants to do. Yes, it's such a young age, but what Kim is doing is setting her up in a position where it's like, okay, these aren't just things that you're doing because you're a little kid and you like to mess around. These are things that you can actually do if you want to do them for the rest of your life. And seeing North in Paris kind of discovering that was really the first glimpse at that. And it's now in real time that you're watching her on TikTok kind of exploring those things. Right. Because we all have this understanding of like, no matter what, she is going to be totally fine. All of their children are. They could do nothing for the rest of their lives and they will realistically be totally fine. It's not about that. It's not about making a career that can be lucrative. It's about having every single opportunity in front of you and for Kim, wanting her to channel that into something that's actually exciting to her and that she actually wants. It was just wild, I think, watching the TikTok with watching this episode. But hold on. let's. I, I want to go back to the moment that you said with Demna. Yes. You know, we see Kim oftentimes be in overwhelming admiration to the company she's with. For example, we see the former Victoria's Secret Angels coming to join her in a skims shoot. That's a big deal to her. And you can tell like she is cavelling. She can't believe this is her life. We see her meeting her biggest icon in the world, Cher. That's huge for her. When she's doing the ad with JLo and she's now become, you know, close friends with JLo, I think every time for her, that's a pinch me moment. You see that a lot from her. You very rarely see her be intimidated. And the energy I was picking up on in this scene is like pure intimidation. It was not just admiration. It was not just an acknowledgement of how big of a deal this is. It was like, I can't fuck this up. And that's rare. 
Yeah, it was. I think it was the nervousness that really got me about this scene. Like she really had this moment of like, not only I can't fuck this up, but like, I cannot believe I'm even having the opportunity to like potentially feel like I could fuck something up. Like, I think this really was. And and that's something that we have seen a lot throughout the season is Kim feeling like each moment is the biggest moment of her career. And I think that she portrays that really well. This was one where in terms of fashion, you really understood that like the nervousness and the anxiety she felt around this moment was not at all exaggerated. I feel like we oftentimes see Kim in professional settings putting a lot of pressure on herself. You know, she never wants to disappoint the people around her. But it's rare that that pressure is coming from almost a place of fear or intimidation. And that was kind of what I was seeing here. Like it's it's normal that she doesn't want to let people down, but this was almost like, you know, she felt she had a very specific place and she was really hyper aware of that. That's what I was picking up on as well. And I feel like typically when she does channel or exhibit any sort of fear in terms of doing something, it's a lot more about like, I guess kind of changing people's expectations of her. Like she goes into something that's like knows maybe that she's the underdog, kind of like an SNL situation where people feel like she shouldn't be doing it. And therefore a lot of her feelings come from that and wanting to prove, you know, the people wrong. This was a situation where she really was just recognizing the weight of the moment and felt the pressure from that. It had nothing to do with really what anybody else was going to think. It was just her own kind of fear in terms of not wanting to screw up this opportunity. Right. And I think here she had a little bit of like, what am I doing here? Whereas most of the time, to your point, it's more so an awareness that other people feel that way, but she feels very comfortable in the moment, which as a side note, of course, on tomorrow's episode, we will talk about the Balenciaga scandal and Kim's response and all of that. We just don't want to do that in this episode, but we'll discuss that in tomorrow's. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the entire theme of this episode was really centered around Kim's ability to just juggle everything that's thrown at her. Yeah. And of course, even when Chris and Cece are having that conversation and Chris is like singing Kim's praises, of course, that was filmed and that was a narrative that they like to push. But I honestly think a very similar conversation would have taken place whether or not cameras were there. Like, I think that they are all in constant amazement at the way that she works, similarly to how they're all in constant amazement, Kim included, of Chris. Right. And something that Chris really talks about in this episode a lot is Kim's ability to specifically balance work and home life and her kids and how she makes it all work. And I think that Chris feels like what she said at one point in a confessional, like, you know, she really separated those two things. Like when she had, as she said, like her first batch of kids, when she had Courtney, Kim, Rob, and Chloe, it was very much like she was the stay-at-home mom. And then once she started working, Kendall and Kylie kind of didn't get the same attention that the older kids got because the balance wasn't the same. And I think that her awe of Kim really comes from the fact that she seems to have nailed down that balance in a way that she can't really comprehend. Because I think when we look at Kim, we always say like, she must have more than 24 hours in a day. Right. And I think that that's something that Kim takes a lot of pride in, not only the fact that she can do it, but also the fact that she's kind of recognized for it, not only by the world, but probably specifically by her family, you know? Yeah, totally. Also, when they're sitting down with Olivier and Kim is telling North that the dress that Olivier gave to Kanye, this blue Balmain dress for her birthday, is the dress she wore on the night that North was conceived, which was at the Angel Ball in 2012. It was this blue Balmain dress they showed the photo, but the second she said it, I knew exactly what dress she was talking about. And 
that was a conversation that threw me for a loop. Like it wasn't the first time we knew this. Olivier actually revealed that in an interview in 2016, but I wasn't anticipating Kim having that conversation with North. And that to me feels like a moment that I am grateful that we were privy to. Yes. Like being with North when she found out the night that she was conceived, like that's a big moment for all of us. Right. And like, she doesn't fully understand the gravity of the situation. She's so happy to just be sitting there with her French fries, like not understanding the weight of what Kim was saying. But to me, I was like, damn, that's some insight. In terms of balance, though, I think that's what I was most impressed with Kim about is her ability to really separate what is going on in her own life with Kanye and their issues and their problems behind the scenes and not letting North know any of that. Which I have to say, though, if I were to ask him one question right now, it would be, how do you balance doing that with your kids while also like teaching them what their dad is saying is very, very wrong? I don't know. Honest to God, I don't even have an inkling of a hypothesis as to how those conversations go down. I think that is one of the most difficult things to navigate specifically when you're kids are so young. And honestly, I think that they're probably too young for her to be even having those conversations with most of them because the majority of them aren't seeing that. Like Chicago's not seeing those headlines. Maybe North, maybe someone says something to North at school. Of course, North is on TikTok. She gets that a little bit more. But with the exception of North, I don't even think it's a conversation Kim has to have right now. I do think it's one that she has to have with North. I think... Okay. So the other thing I wanted to mention is when they're sitting at the show and North takes Cece's invite and writes stop on it to the people across the way taking photos. Like that was something we knew happened in real time because obviously people were posting photos of it. And at the time, even Kim herself posted it on her story because I think she got a kick out of the whole thing. But it wasn't like we got any behind the scenes information on that. To me, it was more so seeing that moment and then knowing the lead up to it, meaning knowing what their 48 hours before that looked like. That's how I felt about North coming in so excited to hear people chanting her name because we had gotten those videos of her walking outside and people chanting North and her kind of interacting with the paparazzi a little bit. But we didn't get that behind the scenes of what it felt like for her at that young of an age to hear a crowd of people chanting her name. And in this episode, we got that moment where she walks back into Kim and says, there's all these people outside and they're chanting North, North, North. And also I feel like (laughs) the way that North is, is that she's a very difficult kid to read in the sense of like, when she wrote stop on that paper, we didn't know if it was because of the paparazzi or because Paris was too much for her, if she was overwhelmed by the whole experience, but to get the behind the scenes of how she felt at every step of the trip and how she went back outside with Chris to see the paparazzi because she loved hearing them chant for her so much. And she wrote stop to kind of the people right sitting across from her to mess with them a little bit. Like we really got the behind the scenes of how North was interacting with everybody throughout that whole trip, which we didn't know firsthand. Wait, also the other thing that I could not get enough of is the way that Chris was so excited to take part in that experience for her. Like Chris on some level is a little kid inside. She loves that. She loves walking outside and hearing the crowd go wild specifically for her granddaughter. And so to be able to experience that together, like they didn't have to go out just to hear the crowd cheer and then come back inside. Chris was so excited to give her that experience. Whereas Chloe, for example, and zero judgment, like there's no world in which she would have done that. Chloe would have walked out when she had to walk out just to get into the car because the entire experience would have been so overstimulating and so anxiety provoking for her. Whereas Chris kind of has the North thing of like this game that we call life, let's just fuck around. (laughs) This game that we call life. Yeah, no, 
I mean, and listen, North loves the attention as she should. I think that she's navigating. North has grown up knowing the way that the public feels about both of her parents. It's been a very present thing for her since before she could probably remember. And we've seen her grow up with that understanding on the show. This was the first time that North watched that kind of switch from her parents to being about her. And I think that was probably a really, really pivotal moment for her. Like she will talk about that for forever because even, you know, when she talks about being there the last time when she was six and she was, did that little performance at Kanye's show, she'll have the understanding that her dad let her do something cool, but her being in Paris, being dressed by Olivier and the crowd chanting specifically her name is something that is going to stick with her as she gets older. I know, and it's cool for us that we get to be witness to those moments, which another thing I wanted to mention, when she's in the Balenciaga fitting, and you can tell she's visibly very nervous, and she's saying she got some really good advice from Demi Moore. She couldn't remember exactly what it was. To me, that is similar to the conversation we were having with the Kanye Grammy tidbit she dropped in Getting Glam of like, obviously it's much lower scale, but that's interesting to me to know that she casually texted me more, you know, and she'll drop those random pieces of information of celebrity relationships she has that we wouldn't know. Not groundbreaking, but it's interesting to me. I love when that happens, specifically love when that happens. Like when she said that Madonna texted her on her birthday. Yeah. Like that, it's, it's, I love those relationships and those connections and who she casually mentions similar to her playing the Chrissy voice note about SNL. We know her and Chrissy are friends. That's not news to us. But to hear the way that they interact with each other separate and apart from any sort of business relationship, that's the insight we die for. Right. And then also the next time you see, let's say, Kim and Demi Moore at an event together, which I know this is a specific example that we're not overly invested in, but just to use it because it came up here, like you now have a little bit of background understanding of their relationship. So for me, when I heard that, the first thing I thought about was, Last year at the Wall Street Journal event that I was at when Kim and Demi Moore were together a lot because they were both there with Fendi. Like now I'm wondering, okay, was that a relationship that started because of their mutual relationship with Fendi? Was that a friendship they had otherwise? Like now you just have a little bit more context when you're seeing a photo of them at an event. And we live for that. We live for the context. We fucking live for context, like in a really deep way in every single aspect of our lives, whether it's celebrity or the most lowbrow piece of neighborhood gossip. But that's what this entire conversation that we had prior to this episode can be summed up in is just like, we love context. Give us all of the context behind these major events. Give us context behind the minor events because that behind the scenes that we would only be privy to because of the show that we would never in a million years have any other way of knowing other than you having a conversation about it or you saying it in a confessional. That's what the show is about because the behind the scenes of the business stuff. Yes, we're, we're only getting it because of the show, but it's not like it doesn't feel show specific. It feels like we could get it anyway. But when you tell me that you're having a conversation with Courtney or that you FaceTime Kendall for just that one moment before you go out of Balmain and wake her up just to like calm your nerves a little, that's the stuff that we would never in a million years get otherwise. Yes, exactly. And I'm actually really glad that you brought up that one scene because it brings something up for me, which is like, realistically, if we are ranking the sisters, as we've spoken about many times before, when it comes to our interest level in their scenes, Kendall's is probably on the lower end of that. But something I really enjoy being reminded of is like the way that Kim appreciates Kendall 
as a supermodel. Because if you remember, and we've spoke about this recently, like in the earlier seasons of Keeping Up, Kim was very much on board with Kendall's modeling journey. And I feel like there was maybe a lull there, or maybe there wasn't, and our attention just wasn't there. So recently in the past two seasons, we've kind of seen Kim's like profound appreciation for what Kendall does, even recently when they were in Milan. So a moment like that, when Kim is at her most nervous, she feels the most vulnerable out of anyone, Kendall is the person that she wants to go to because she knows her level of knowledge at that craft. And to me, as someone who is admittedly like maybe gives Kendall less credit than she deserves, I can appreciate those moments. I can too. And that's the thing with Kim that I think we've recently really discovered is that she places a very, very, very large emphasis on work ethic. And so even if Kendall wasn't the top of her field in terms of being a model, I think that Kim really respects the amount of work that she knows Kendall puts into her craft. And therefore, her relationship with her, especially her relationship with her when it comes to that shared interest, is only amplified by the work ethic that she knows Kendall has in regard to that. It's exactly why her and Chloe have become so close over the years too. Yes, there's the mothering element of it. Yes, it's their relationship dynamic has changed. But so much of that is because she has seen the way that Chloe's work ethic has also come along with that. And it's why her relationship with Courtney has gone in the other direction recently. It really like when I watch Kim and I understand the way that she feels about work and work ethic, the relationships in her life become very clear. Very clear. And I think that an argument can be made of like, well, why can't you separate that? You know, you can be very, very close with a person and they could be great to you personally. They're a phenomenal human being, but maybe their work ethic is lacking a little bit. Not everyone's is as strong. And I think for Kim, not to say she can't separate it, of course she can, but I do think that she values that in a person, even when it has nothing to do with her. Like even when it's not a direct family member, I think she can really, really value that in a person in a way that maybe other people don't. I think she can separate it. I think that her respect for a person, it can't be separated from that. Or, or not entirely. Like, not I think entirely. she can, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking interesting. I am so excited to share this twisted new series with you from the mind of Tim Burton comes Wednesday Adams only on Netflix. And first of all, this is not a remake or reboot of previous Adams family projects. It's really a new chapter in the story of Wednesday Adams. So it's a show about Wednesday specifically exploring her journey into adulthood. And it's kind of this supernaturally infused mystery that charts Wednesday's year as a student at Nevermore Academy, where she attempts to both master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town, and then also solve the murder mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships at Nevermore. So just as a side note, Nevermore Academy is kind of the backdrop for this story. It's this very unique boarding school. Some notable alumni are Edgar Allan Poe and Morticia Adams, just to name a few. And the show really does have incredible talent that will play iconic characters. Just to name a few, Jenna Ortega as Wednesday, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia, Luis Guzman as Gomez, Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester, Christina Ricci as a teacher at Nevermore Academy, and so many more. Watch Wednesday, a twisted new series from the mind of Tim Burton, out now, only on Netflix. (laughs) 
I want to talk about Kylie for a second because very similar to what I was just saying before about we had seen that photo of North holding up the sign that said stop to the people, but seeing the behind the scenes of like her Paris experience enhanced that. That is the exact same way I felt about Stormy in this of like, we lost our shit when we saw her walking the billboards red carpet with Kylie. To know that just mere hours before she was ordering room service for her and Kylie by herself, like took me out. No, story, I can't even talk about it. Like, that was probably one of my favorite scenes this entire season. Ever. Forget this entire season. She's so cute. She's overwhelmingly cute. She is just born to be in front of that camera. But also, something separate from Stormy that I thought was a really interesting line was when Kylie was talking about what she was wearing to the Billboard Awards, and she said, you know, I'm going for supportive wifey, not center of attention. I know it was such a small line, but that is the exact type of stuff I am so curious about. Like, I want to know their thought process going into wearing an outfit. Forget about how they feel it looks on them, but like, what are you trying to give tonight? You know what I mean? Yes. And also, we get so little about Kylie's relationship with Travis. So even just her thought process in terms of what she was going to wear and what she wanted to give off as the vibe in terms of their relationship and what she wanted to represent their relationship to be like to the public is just so fascinating. Right. But also think about it. Like if they were on a red carpet, any of them, one of the questions the interviewer would ask is like, so what story are you telling with your outfit tonight? Or tell us the inspiration. And the answer that they would give is something that is directly fashion related. They would never put that PR spin on it. Like Kylie wasn't saying there that she loves the dress for X reason. Of course, we found that out separately. She likes it. She likes it. It accentuates her curves. Maybe she would have said that. She wouldn't have said on the red carpet, you know, I'm wearing this tonight because I'm really not trying to be the center of attention. I'm really just trying to give supportive wifey vibes. I don't think she would have said that to Access Hollywood asking her about her look. So to me, that's a piece of insight. That's a PR spin that we would not have gotten otherwise. And those are the tiny little tidbits that I appreciate. Totally, totally. Lastly, in terms of Chloe, not to say I didn't like Courtney's dinner scene. I just feel like there's really nothing for us to talk about there, is there? No, I don't think so. Just rain is like cracks me up. This really brought us back with Chloe because obviously, as we know, the premiere was what happened right before this. And so to just kind of see them all sitting there, I have to tell you, yes, it was anticlimactic, but seeing Kim, Courtney, Chloe, and Chris sitting around Chloe's baby talking about them as mothers, that did feel like a fitting ending for me. I agree. It would have been a million times more fitting had we gotten either her baby's name or Kylie's baby name, but I guess I can't specifically complain about that fact yet. But no, it did feel very fitting. And I also think the core of the show or what used to be the core of the show was yes, them as parents, but also really them as aunts to each other's kids. Like that is such a huge piece of the story there. And so to see any time a new baby comes into the picture and the way that they all kind of immediately go right into aunt mode is like very, very like fitting to the central plot of the story, I feel like. Right. And also even in this one scene, which was just a few minutes, you really see not only their personalities, but like their brands come through. Like I could have predicted myself that Courtney would have said, I want to breastfeed this child. You know, like that is her entire brand. She fucking loves being a mom. She loves every maternal thing that can possibly be. Kim sitting there in the corner being like, so what are we going to name this baby? Because she knows that that's good TV. Chris just being like overwhelmingly emotional about the entire situation. Chloe almost being like overwhelmed by all of them. You know, like it just made so much sense. 
It bookended the season really nicely. Yes, in a way that I was very happy to witness and also like made me kind of nostalgic, you know? So think about it when they were all sitting there around Mason and he was the only game in town. Like it's, I remember those scenes so vividly then to watch them, you know, 20 seasons plus two of these later, it, it just it feels like we've been on this ride for a while. We have been on this ride for a while. I know. And by the way, I ain't getting off anytime soon. I don't know about you. Wouldn't dream of it. No. All right, you guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. We will be back tomorrow with our regular episode. And anything else you'd like to mention? I think that's it. Okay, I think so too. We love you guys. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.